Ah, close to retirement. Or retired already? Time to live the good life, right? Well, you're no longer earning money. You're now withdrawing money each month. And your broker is also withdrawing each month from your account as much as 2 to 3%. And if the market drops, your broker continues to withdraw. Wait a minute. How do we navigate these challenges? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me this morning. Talking about your family's finances, of course, getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future. What is that all about? And why is it every time we turn around that there's somebody trying to, to steal your lunch? And you say, what do you mean by that? It's really simple. It, you know, California is so mismanaged its assets that it just always comes up with a new tax. It's actually interesting to me. Uh, you know, we've, we've railed against this in the past where they taxed against plastic bags. And they, they say, oh, now we're going to have to tax plastic bags. You can't, you can't just get a plastic bag. And, and they blame the environment. So I think that's the new trick, right? Everything is a, it used to be for the children. Right, the lotto, then it was for older people, you know, and then firefighters and policemen. Now we don't like them, so nurses. So I'm not sure. I think, I think it's about the environment now. I think every time you turn around, the environment is what we need to save, not people. So it's the whole global warming. That that's going to be the new pressure. Now, where do I come up with this as a problem? Is I think you have to understand that if they do that. There is no bounds. There's nothing. There's no limits. And by turning around and saying it's always about the children and it's always about people that are uh, oppressed and there isn't a measuring stick. You know, we're trying to be convinced that the systemic racist, I'll tell you what, I've come up with the plan. And I want you to think about this, even taking it as a serious note for a minute. Ready? I think the NBA needs to be racially diverse. I think you can have no more than two African-Americans playing at any one time. And if you're going to have a third, then you give up a little bit of points. Then the other team gets four points for that quarter. I think you need to spread out the wealth because there are people definitely on the NBA making a lot more money than others. And I think you have to kind of mix it up. You have to have five foot four uh, Jewish people. I'm five foot seven and three quarters on a good day. Even though I'm a little older, but but I was never taller than this, really. So I'm as good as it's going to get. So I don't, listen, I don't want to play in the NBA. I liked it. But I think you should let other people. You need to have Asians playing, Caucasians, Hispanics. Why aren't there more Hispanics in the NBA? And I think this is a serious thing. You need to smooth out the cost for any one player. Lower it down. And we need to be racially 
diverse. It isn't. And that's not fair. It's not fair for anybody. And so it's not fair for Michael Jordan to have a house where his living room is the size of my house. You know, his, his spa, his bedroom is the size of my, of my downstairs. Why is that fair? And I think you guys should start pushing this racially. De- Economically, it, is, it isn't right for one man to make $100 million playing a sport, whatever it is. Aha. You see, now you're thinking, well, Eric, that's not exactly the way it works. It's different. I said, okay, well, good. I'm, I'm good with different. Tell me about different. Because here's the challenge. You understand <laughs> there's a couple of things that are a problem here. If you're telling me that people in sports, that, that businesses, you know, the owners of the sports teams, if they are greedy son of a guns, if the owners of the sports teams are, are selfish and greedy, then they should only be hiring the people that are going to make them money, wouldn't you think? They don't care about race. Oh, wait, how does that manifest itself? They're all the same. They're virtually all the same in any NBA team. And the reason is because they want to hire the best. They're not hiring based on any scale. You know where you say, oh, I, I'm, if you want to be a publicly traded company in California, you need to have women on your board. Well, w- what if you have enough guys? You now have to expand the board, create a greater expense, maybe hire somebody that, that isn't as capable as the other people on the board just because you got to check a box. I went through affirmative action. I went through through it on the police department. You know who hated it the most? Are you ready for this? Were the capable minorities. The capable minorities that moved up the ranks to from police officer to, to training officer to sergeant. The capable, capable minorities that were sergeants would tell me privately, people look at me and wonder, did I get the job because I'm really that good or because of my skin color? You know, if you're a female and they were trying to, you say, did I get the job because I'm really that good or because they're trying to check a box on a form? It hurts both sides. It hurts all sides. You're never going to have anybody without any prejudice. Oh, you're from my hometown. Oh, we went to the same college together. There's always some level of prejudice or or favoritism. Oh, my brother-in-law hired you know, said you were the right guy to hire. If you don't like it, you start your own company. You work in your own industry. You get away from that level of, of nepotism. Right, Joe Biden? <laughs> right, big guy? I guess that's his new nickname, the big guy. Come on, man, I'm a big guy. All of a sudden, he's taking money from China. Right, isn't it interesting that Russia and Iran comes out this week that they are trying to push the election and make it so that President Trump looks bad, right? That somebody's racism, racists are sending you these uh, letters that say, if you don't vote for President Trump, we're going to come over to your house. It comes out it's from Iran. Who do you think Iran wants to win? The guys that gave him a hundred plus billion dollars in cash? Or the person who is squeezing their economy and stopping them from from exporting terrorism? Who do you think Iran wants to win? I mean, come on, let's think about this for a minute. The enemy of my enemy, right? Maybe that's your friend. 
So this is a this is an interesting time because math is still math. And and one plus one is still two. And you've got to create an institutional mindset to not be swayed. Because there are enough people out there that run around and say, oh, guys, uh, let, let's be fair. Who needs to live in a 7,000-square-foot house? Really, a 1,200-square-foot house. That's good. Who needs more than $3 million? Remember, President Trump, uh, sorry, President Obama, about seven years ago, was in a speech that was televised. He was speaking to a crowd, and he said, well, we're looking at retirement accounts, and who needs more than $3 million in your, in your IRA or your 401k? You know, most people in the audience clapped. Why? Because they didn't have $3 million. I don't want you to under... Listen, <clears throat> most of us don't have $3 million in their retirement account. But why were we okay that he put a number on it? You see, because, because today, if it's $3 million, then tomorrow it could be $1 million. And if tomorrow it's one million, maybe the next day it can be five hundred thousand. Meaning, if it's their objective to control stuff, they will start at the far extreme. It's just like when income tax started. It's only on the top one percent of the rich. It's only on the rich, and everybody else goes, "Yeah, you go get them." Sales tax. It's a very small amount. We're going to add a quarter of a penny, a quarter of a penny, and it's for the children. And it's temporary. It's for the children. And as soon as you said okay to that, then they pushed and they pushed. So my problem wasn't that it was $3 million and it was good for some and not good for others. No, no. It's that he has no business. How dare you? Shame on you, Mr. President Obama, for even bringing that up. It's not your business. You are a broke person. You became a, a, a president with Barely even a million dollars to your name. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm saying, what the heck do you know about creating wealth? You were a U.S. senator. You were a Harvard professor. You didn't even kind of have a job. You didn't create jobs for other people. You were just there, filling a chair, politically maneuvering. And now, for the people that create jobs, for the people, People that, that create wealth, you have the nerve to tell them. Look, go back to our radio shows. You can go back seven years. I've been on the air almost 16 years. You can go back seven years. The commentary that we made on this was very, very solid. And I, I share that with you as you learn through this process. Because there is no question the way they felt they could win or one of the tools they were using was very simple. And it's sending out the mail-in ballots. It's trying to convince you that rich people are bad. Everybody's bad, bad, bad. Instead of just saying some rich people are good, some rich people are bad. Some black people are rich, some black people are poor. Some white people are bad, some are good, some are rich. Some, I mean, come on, really? Did, did you not figure this out? You're an adult. The moment the community of the United States, the citizens of the United States, the moment... They had African-American women, Condoleezza Rice, Susan Rice, not related, two different extreme political parties, Colin Powell, Clarence Thomas, Thomas, Supreme Court Justice, appointed by a Republican. The moment you had 
an African-American looking president of the United States. The moment you had that, it took away the race, the uh, trader, you know, folks on the give me money, Toyota, says Jesse Jackson, Al Sharpton. Everything's about, uh, you know, race. It undermined, it undercut their argument because President Obama didn't just win by one term. He won two and not by a little bit, but by a lot. So the power of that base that was creating problems, all of a sudden things started looking like, wow, they just might be a bit more equal than we thought. The American people may may be a lot less racist than we thought. Economically, when at one point in the United States for most of the early 2000s, the top 10 wealthiest Americans, half of them were African American. The moment a, a lady from a very poor area and an abusive family can become the queen of talk radio, Oprah Winfrey, right? The, the moment Michael Jordan has a private airplane and I don't, is that systemic racism? Of course the institutions are created by people. Try to be a minority in any community, right? Asian and white, white and black, black and Asian, doesn't matter. I want you guys to strip away racism because math doesn't have anything to do with it. Your retirement accounts and where you choose to live should be about a happy time. It shouldn't be about ducking and dodging and trying to fit some social program. I mean, we're seeing this time and again. So anyway, we've got an election coming up. Pay attention, guys, and make sure you vote. Hand carry it to the ballot station. If you need to wear a spacesuit with a mask and three sets of gloves, whatever you have to do, whatever makes you feel comfortable, don't trust the U.S. mail. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Too many of them are, are getting lost or destroyed or uh, you know opened or whatever's happening. I think you just hand carry it to your local ballot station. You're going to have to do a little homework. It's not going to be easy. You wear whatever mask system setup you, you need because this is the future. And your, your family needs this. All right. Hey, I wanted to touch on a couple things. A lot of you are leaving retirement accounts to beneficiaries, right? You've put your mom, your dad, your sister, brother, spouse, your kids. What I want to do is touch on something that changed a little bit with this uh, CARES Act. So the inherited IRA system, it's called the, sorry, the SECURE Act. The SECURE Act created a change in the beneficiary setups. Here's what I mean by that. When husband leaves the retirement account to the wife or the wife to the husband, then they act as if it's their own. In other words, there's no special requirements. They can take it all out. They can leave it. It's just like their own money. All right. If the original IRA owner passed away before 2019... Okay, last year, and they died before the age of 70 and a half. Okay, I know it's a little weird. All right, if they passed away prior to December 31st and they died before reaching 70 and a half, you can start taking out the required minimum distributions no later than December 31st of the next year, which would be now, 2020. You'd have to start withdrawing money by December 31st of this year. But you also have the distrib- the option of spreading it out under five years. 
So you're kind of in this no man's land. You have one foot in one world and one in the other. It allows you to take distributions however you want without any penalty as long as everything is out by December 31st of 2025. Everything has to be gone. You can take out a little, nothing, nothing, everything on December 31st, 2025. So everything has to be out. You can't leave it. But what if the person who passed away was already past the age of 70 and a half? Now you can use the age, but it's still prior to December uh, 2019. It's called a stretch IRA. Just stretch out the payments. Right? If they were 84 years old, you can stretch out that payment for as long as you want for the rest of your life. But now, if someone has passed away in 2020 or beyond, they have to take out everything in 10 years. Now, that means they can take a little bit and nothing, half, give me a little bit. Regardless of their person's age, everything has to be out in the 10-year and 10 minutes. couple of exceptions. If you are 10 years uh, or younger than that person. In other words, if you have a, a 10-year window of age. We had this recently, a stepmother. Stepmother was nine years difference and left everything to her stepdaughter. In fact, she was her, her mom, so to speak, more than any other mom and grew up for the last 40 years together. But their ages were pretty close. And dad married a younger lady, of course, after her mom passed away. So when she inherited it, she has that window. She has that time. Very exciting because it allows her to spread out this income forever. Basically stretch it out. So if you have a beneficiary IRA, if you're inheriting IRAs, if there's money that's coming to you in the form of uh, what we call a qualified account, you've got a couple of things that you need to think about. One of those is something called stretch IRA payments. The second is, are you going to, is it, is it possible that you're going to need all the money this year? Now, just know that there's something happening along the way called tax increases. And those tax increases that you see coming down the road, oh my gosh, guys, especially if President Trump is not reelected, President Biden has committed to raising taxes. He said it. It's going to happen. It's going to be on middle class people. You understand rich people hire accountants and CPAs. They have corporations. They have offshore companies. Uh, everybody's been trying to go after them for years. President Trump was actually the first person to bring money back from overseas, from Ireland, from China, from Brazil, money that, that corporations kept offshore. He said, listen, we're going to give you a little amnesty. Bring it back in. We're going to tax it at the lowest rate possible. And poof, it's now post-tax money. It's now your cash. Do with it as you will. Well, of course, many of them distributed it. Many of them hired more people. They bought more equipment. That was part of this economic boom that the president has. One of the biggest mistakes that, that uh, I think the president did this term, or certainly this year, is he allowed the coronavirus to become a political thing. Meaning, now, now I don't know, maybe he couldn't have stopped it. But the moment it began this we're shutting down economically this and then this and then color coding and, and uh, some phony rules of 
A seven out of a hundred out of a thousand. But then you just test more people. You know how many people had it, went to work, got better, never even knew they had it, continued down the road, and then they test them and they count them. We're at about seven people now that we know who signed up to take the test, never completed the test for various reasons. The line was too long. They had to go back to work. And they get letters in the mail that said, you tested positive. They're like, excuse me, I never even took the test. And I've told you before, I think I mentioned it, but it's worth mentioning again. A friend of mine uh, had a car accident and his little grandbaby passed away. Most adorable one-year-old ever. And she passed away in the car accident. I mean, it was very evident. They tried to save her with surgery. She, she didn't make it. And on her death certificate said COVID-19, coronavirus. He's still trying to fight it. I don't, I don't know if he can win or not. But, you know, the hospital back and forth. And, you know, unofficially they said, look, you know how much money we are paid? This is my close friend. Do you know how much money we're paid? When we, uh, when we have a COVID death. So I don't believe the numbers. I mean, maybe, maybe they're off by just this one. But I really think that somebody is playing the games. Hospitals, small businesses, small hospitals, uh, doctors. I think a lot of people are. Because the payout is much, much higher when it comes to COVID than it is when it comes to just a, a Medicare person passing away. It happened to my aunt. My aunt had a stroke last fall, and, and, and she was not well. Was in the hospital the whole time, passed away. They said, oh, it's coronavirus. Well, well okay. I mean, maybe, but I'm guessing probably not. So, you know, I want you to kind of think about this because over time, it was used, it is used as a weapon, to turn this conversation into a referendum on, see, President Trump couldn't handle it because they have to get something that he can't handle. I don't know if it's the coronavirus or, or now it's the economy or look at the way he's not handling the economy. But there are rules and you have to be careful. One of those, as I mentioned, inherited IRAs or 401ks. Any kind of retirement account that comes to you through somebody else you need to speak with the professional, not just your CPA, but a financial professional, because you have to do the right things. There are deadlines and there are time limits. And you want to make sure you're doing what you're supposed to do just so you don't end up in the wrong, uh, you know, on the wrong side of the rules or the laws because your family, right? You know, it's probably going to, they're not going to pay much attention. Nobody really knows. They just kind of go on their business. So this is new for you. You can give us a call, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-997-3847, 888-99-RETIRE. Maybe we can help with your retirement account, with your IRA. There's a few things that we can do. A big part of it for you is, does it make sense to have some or part of your money in a safe place? Okay, that's important because you can always go down the road for risk. But when do people make that decision? Well, it's called the rule of 100, if we think about it for a minute. The rule of 100 takes your age minus 100, and that's the amount of risk you should have. So I think every five years, so in other words, if you're 60, uh, 
then you have 60% of your money saved. But 61, 62, I'd still stay at the 60. That's what a lot of professionals are saying. Until you get to age 65, then you rebalance. And then at 65, you have 65% of your money safe and away from the ups and downs of the market. And let me be clear. When we say safe, the bond market is not safe. It can go up and down. You could lose money. So our definition of safe is you do not lose money. You don't go backwards. So when we return, we're going to get into the reasons what that is all about. Why, why, why do people even have safety as part of their portfolio? What's the reason for it? Why is it that for some, it's a bigger deal and for others, it's not even an issue, right? Some can live forever without safety as an issue. Well, we actually have it broken down in a very simple format. And when we get back, we'll be able to kind of break it down, go over it with you, clean it up, and make sure your family has a reasonably comfortable retirement, regardless of who wins. Because you're still going to age, you're still going to retire, you're going to still want to move on. That's what Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services are all about. TFS Financial, I'm Eric Hallaby. This is the Total Financial Hour on AM870, The Answer, 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me. We'll be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halabi. Hey there, welcome to the show. If you're just joining us or welcome back. I'm Arif Halabi, the Total Financial Hour. Thanks for staying with me. The Total Financial Hour. Every week at this time, we're talking about your family's finances. Of course, getting out of debt, managing money. We were going over risk. Some of the things that we see as you get closer to retirement or as you're kind of moving towards retirement, the problems that we have are simple. It's that most people don't understand that risk can hurt you in retirement. It helps you when you're putting money in, when you're in your 30s and 40s or even your early 50s if you have you know, 25 or 30 years before retirement you know, risk can be okay if you if you know how to manage it. Because as the market goes down, you should be buying more shares. You should be putting more money in because your food, shelter, clothing, that comes from your job. So your paycheck has that guarantee. That has that security. But up and down, up and down, that's the retirement accounts. And when it's down, because you're systematically buying every two weeks, buy, 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 buy. As you're doing that, as you're systematically buying, you're buying more shares when it's cheaper. And when it's higher, you're buying less shares. So that's kind of the process of utilizing retirement accounts with some risk as part of it. Okay. Now, when we are retired, you cannot have that ups and downs. Because if you do, then what happens to the paycheck that you were expecting? What happens to the income that you were expecting? Well, those dollars leave you. And... If you, you spend dollars at the grocery store, guys, you don't spend shares. You don't spend percentages. So when I see the percentages, people say, oh, my average rate of return is 25%. I say, well, but how much money do you have in your account? Because sometimes you will look at the percentage rate of return. And look, Wall Street guys, they know this. They know that in many cases, the percentage makes the account look better 
than the actual dollars in your account. Because there's a couple of things you need to ask. One of those is, okay, fine. You want to know what your average rate of return is. That's mildly interesting. Fine. But more importantly, how much do I have and what did I put in? So how much was my money and what is the value today? And how long ago did I do it? You'll know that. So you write the date down. The difference, the spread, the gain is your profit. Now here's the question. What was my total cost to get that profit? If I put in 100000 and today it's worth 150, then that means I made 50000 I'm happy with that. Good day. I like it. What I don't like is if it costs me 40000 to make fifty, or 25000 to make fifty. Why is it that the Wall Street guy who never worked for the money, right, the whole thing that, that your broker does, name, address, Social Security, right, completes an application. And then they invest it in a place, and those people take a piece of it. In other words, they make a profit. They take a percentage. Your broker takes a percentage, but really just kind of goes golfing, hangs out, travels, does other things. And what that does is it takes you down this road of becoming, well, you worked your tail off, you sacrificed, and your broker makes about the same, maybe a little less, about the same profit as you do. You think that's right? I don't live on right and wrong as much as I live on, uh, I mean, uh, on, on uh, fair and unfair, as much as I live on right and wrong. Right? right and wrong is the answer. That's the reason to make a decision. It isn't about, well, you know, I, I want to make sure that, um, you know, my broker continues to have the lifestyle that they do. You never say that. You don't go, well, uh, let's think about this. First, you say, listen, I don't mind paying for something. If you're going to make me more money, if you're going to take care of me, if you're going to do the right thing with my account, I don't mind paying for it. Of course, I bought something. I bought something. I received something. I got it. The problem that I have is more built around, well, wait a second. The market just went down. And when the market went down, I lost money. No problem, Mrs. Broker. Did you get paid while we were here, by the way? Uh, you got paid, right? Okay, so so you got paid, and this is my account. Look, I don't want to beat this up too much, but I do want you to understand that the system is not designed for you to always win. It's designed for you to have risk. And if the risk is managed properly because you are buying, then I'm okay with that. Okay, the market goes up. Now, what about when you are ready, when you are in the middle of retirement? Well, now the risk changes, doesn't it? Because now the risk says, I'm withdrawing money from my account. So I can't withdraw shares. In other words, if I have the same amount of shares in my account and I try to withdraw them, I don't take five shares to the grocery store. I take dollars. So if the shares have a lower value, I now have to take maybe six shares or seven shares. Well, that depletes my account rapidly because I need the same amount of dollars. So you cannot take those, uh, that kind of risk in retirement and expect your income to go up, to maintain inflation rates, to, to give you the extra gains that you want. So here's what happens. As we get closer to retirement, a lot of us say, well, I like risk when I'm working. Now I don't. Stocks, bonds, REITs, mutual funds, take that risk. 
as you get closer to retirement and you're using the rule of 100, you're doing a couple of things. One of those is you look for guarantees. So, I don't know, maybe 110 years ago, plus or minus, when the Federal Reserve was created, they created two institutions, or I should say they teamed up with two institutions that have been around for decades before that, which were banks and insurance companies. Banks and insurance companies have been around well into the 1800s and even before in some cases. So the banking system has products called checking, savings, CDs. That's the banking side of things that have safety and protection. Not great rates of return, but very good liquidity. Access to the money now. ATM card, walk in the branch. You can get money out anytime you want. That's what a bank is for. Not big rates of return, but protection and access. The other institution that the Federal Reserve and the, and the U.S. government said we're going to team up with to kind of put money into the U.S. economy or take money out of the U.S. economy, that's the job of banks and insurance companies. And by using an insurance company, what are their products? For the financial world, for the retirement world, it's fixed annuities and fixed indexed annuities. Now, sometimes you'll hear people say, well, Eric, I want to be able to have all sorts of accounts. I want to be able to buy stocks and bonds and REITs and all of the folks that are out there. I want to be able to do every product known to man. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Nobody can be great at everything. They're going to be good. You know, sometimes people are good at a few things and they're okay at probably a lot more things. Right? There was a commercial, sometimes okay is just not, just okay is not okay, right? I, I thought it's brilliant. How you doing that? Oh, I'm okay. Ooh, but you're a surgeon. You're about ready to work on me? Yeah, we're going to do our best. We, I'm, 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 one of the, I'm one of the okay surgeons here. You go, well, maybe, maybe I want another surgeon. <laughs> so you guys are trusting your retirement life to somebody who's just okay. Now you say, oh, no, but my guy manages and with this big name and a big term... I understand that, but ask them what they're good at. And they're going to tell you, well, I'm a good financial person. I'm, okay, then what are you great at? Because if you tell me what you're good at, then maybe it's three or four things, but what are you great at? It really can only be one. If I'm getting my brakes fixed on my car, and if I have a an automobile, not a truck, and it's a foreign car that's Japanese-made, not German. And it's not just Japanese made, but let's say it's a Toyota. I want somebody who fixes automobiles, brakes on, on Toyotas, foreign cars every day, every week. I don't want somebody who says, we do brakes and transmissions. And while you're at it, we're going to put new tires on and fix your windshield wipers. But what cars do you work on? Well, I work on all foreign and domestic. Well, a Saab is different than a Nissan. And an Infiniti is different than a BMW. So I get it. They're foreign cars, but they're not the same. So you want somebody who is an expert when it comes to matters of very important. If it's somebody that says, we wash cars, we wash foreign and domestic. We can wash pickup trucks and automobiles. I go, okay, listen, if you miss a spot, it doesn't change my life. If you miss a spot on my brakes, it does change my life and my family's life. So if you're going to manage, you know, a, a small account or you're going to go to somebody who's, 
your brother-in-law who's good at everything under the sun, who says he's an expert at everything and he doesn't trust anybody and everybody's trying to rip you off. If he's that person, right? Everybody's got that cousin or that brother-in-law or something. Everybody's trying to rip you off. I get it. Then what I ultimately want you to do is to ask yourself a couple of things. If that is what that person's mindset is, then have them work with something that's not that important, right? Here's a, here's a little account. So if you lose it, you miss a spot, it's not going to change my life. Your life savings, though, where we can't go back and make up that time, your life savings, where the money that you've set aside has to last for the rest of your life, provide for health care, provide for retirement income, provide for travel and entertainment and your grandchildren's college or a, a family trip in f- four years when the cruise industry is back up and running, whenever. That requires an expert. So TFS Financial Insurance Services, a little bit about me. I, some of you know I've, I've done this now for 24 and a half years. 96 June is when I started, uh, June of 1996. Um, Prior to that, I was a Los Angeles policeman. So I was an officer for 10 years, seven months, and three days. (laughs) I wasn't counting uh, until somebody crashed into my police car. And when they did, I was driving in Northridge. uh, After, um, I don't know, a bunch of uh, three major back surgeries, three major knee surgeries, and a bunch of small procedures, probably another 20, 25 small procedures. Finally, I retired. They said, sorry, can't do this anymore. <laughs> You're broken. But during that period of time of recovery and in and out of surgeries, right? They don't do all the surgeries all at once. It was over the course of, of some time. But I had been scammed. And some bad guys came along and they took most of my money. Three different scams. And so what I had to do was to go back to school. I figured, why in the daylights did this happen to me? I'd been a trader. I was an investor since I was 18 years old. And now I'm 28, 30. How how did this happen? So from 18 to 28, I was a trader. At 26, I went back to school. So in my world, it took a couple of years. And I said, I got to figure this out. Went back to school, began to work in this industry And God knew it. I didn't. God knew I was going to end up leaving the police department and not by my will. And I had to make a change. So I said, ah, let me see what I can do. I've always been helping out other officers. Well, surprise, 24 years ago. Four offices, great staff, hundreds of millions of dollars. We've helped clients get out of the market, keep safe, invest, plan for their retirement, provide income. So this is something that when you look at somebody saying, how, how does this person help me? What's their life experience? Well, it's somebody who's come through this both as, listen, the reason I rail on this stuff, guys, you know, you, you hear me talk about Woodbridge and 1GC, First Global Capital and Woodbridge Financial, right? Ponzi schemes. You hear me talk about this. There are, there are plenty of others. There was one we busted out of uh, Salt Lake City where they would do this promissory note to invest in Phoenix used car lots. And they would take elderly people's life savings and they would route it through this you know, system of financial people. And when we did the math on it, I'm like, this doesn't work. You need to call somebody. And fortunately, in one of the cases, we got most of the money back. And it was her life savings. It was, it was all 100% of her retirement account. And she got almost all of it. I want to say it was about 90% back. 
So there's times when you have to be very careful. But the reason I have this passion about making sure that you don't get scammed is only because I've been there, right? It was literally my life savings. It was nearly $150,000 or, or a little bit more. I was 26 years old and I had to go to my wife and say, hey, honey, you know, you know that, um, those, that instinct thing you have, right? Women's intuition? Well, guess what? You were right. That guy was a bad guy. Because I was like, oh, you know who I am. I'm, I'm super smart. Look at this. And she said, I don't like that guy. I think there's something wrong. I said, oh, no, no, he's fine. Because I thought I could understand all of the financial stuff. This was so esoteric. I'm a 20-something-year-old kid. And let me tell you, there are bad guys out there. They want your retirement accounts. Right? There are people that have legitimate licenses, that even have good hearts, that make mistakes. Woodbridge and First Global Capital, or 1GC, are just an example of two of the local ones. There are dozens of other Ponzi schemes or, or investment fraud things that happen here. Dozens. And you have to watch out. Because the bad guys don't sleep at night. And that means sometimes the victim in the story is your financial professional. Right? There's a guy that I know who, who uh, well, maybe you've heard of him. He's, he's on now and again. And he got taken in and convinced. Because when Woodbridge came to me, not once but twice, and they said, we think you should invest in this. This is great. This is amazing. I looked at it. You know what I did? I brought out my calculator. And, and I, I did the math on the calculator. And I said, this, this doesn't work. This investment plan, this thing you, you're talking about, the math doesn't work. Something's wrong. And they said, well, you know, and well, we have a special formula. We have a proprietary formula. I said, wow, I can't even spell proprietary. That sounds like a big word. Um, what is that formula? Well, we can't tell you it's secret. I said, well, if it's something other than math, you know, one plus one is two. There's nothing proprietary about making it three. One plus one is two, period. So, you have to kind of look to see how this all works. And look, one of the biggest mistakes I think good advisors make is they follow the greed path. I don't think all of them are bad guys. I think there's a point in time when you know that it's a bad deal and you got to stop hurting your, your customers, your clients. And some do and some don't. Right? Some do and some don't. Every big financial company out there has been sued by the federal government for something. Goldman Sachs recently, $2.9 billion is reported by CNBC. $2.9 billion with a B to resolve probes into a scandal. That's as much as some countries, countries make in a full year. And Goldman Sachs is going to write a check and say sorry. I mean, I don't know how you do that, right? Take a look. Everybody under Fidelity has one that they just did, millions and millions. Uh, Vanguard, millions and millions. Everybody's got something, millions and millions. And you have to look to see where is it that most people, I don't know, need to retire, I guess. Right? Uh, 
this is your family's future. So what are a lot of people doing? Well, I spoke to somebody recently who is a um, uh, U-Haul driver, a U-Haul uh, uh, company. He owns a U-Haul company. And look, I, you may not have known this. I, I spoke about this once before. There are two U-Haul companies in the United States. One is national, which means you take it from one place and drop it off in another place. It doesn't even have to be necessarily out of state. It can be in, in the same state. But basically, you're picking up in one city and dropping it off somewhere else. Okay. Then there's local where you pick it up, you go do what you're going to do, and drop it back in the same spot. Okay? Local, national. He said, Eric, there isn't a national truck available for months, for the rest of the year. I said, are you kidding me? Nope. What's going on? He said, well, that's really only California. In California, you can't find a truck, even a moving vehicle. Now, you might say, well, Eric, I was driving on the freeway the other day. Look at all the traffic. Okay, you're right. There's still people here. But who are leaving? The poor people? I don't mean bad, right? Forget it. That's your own prejudice. I said poor. People with no money? People that are lower middle class? Because the middle class are the ones that can choose. They, have, they can afford one house. A nice house, but one. If you're the mega rich, if you're the movie stars that, that try to tell you to stay inside and COVID is about all of us, and they're in their you know, two-acre Beverly Hills backyard mansion, with waterfalls and their tennis court and their, their masseuse comes over and they're saying, we are all struggling together. I'm like, really? Have you not seen the apartment building where people don't get to leave their, their 600-square-foot apartment or their 1,400-square-foot house without a pool and no air conditioning? You know, when you're trying to convince me as a movie star or celebrity that I'm supposed to, we're in this together. We're in it together. I'm like, okay. Because the folks that are moving are not those folks. They got it made. And besides, it's a little secret. For many of them, their residence, which means where they are taxed, is not California. Their residence is Nevada or Washington State or Florida or Texas. Their residence is a place in which there is no income tax or very, very low income tax. This is just their vacation home, their workplace, where they come and they do a show. And then, of course, they are not paid, but their corporation is paid. And where do you think their corporation is? Not here. Not in California. When you have a job, you just go to work. You're like, I have a job. Well, what are you going to do? Well, it's my job. It's the way it goes. Poor people get millions of millions of dollars in benefits, free benefits. The, the, the state, the county, they hand it out every year. Probably millions a month, actually. Husband, wife, two kids, it's around seventy to eighty thousand dollars a year in free benefits. Husband, wife, two kids, it's about seventy eight grand actually. So they're not gonna leave. This is a good place. A lot more than Arizona, heck of a lot more than, than Nevada. So who leaves? It's the middle class. It's the ones that are the working folks in the middle. So that is my concern. Those are the ones that make the nail salons work, the, the grocery stores work. They're the ones that push and pull the, the middle income taxes that run through the system. They go to the restaurants once or twice a week. They go to the movies. They do the kind of things that are circulating dollars in our system. So as a retiree and you're ready to move on, you're ready to retire, you're saying the next step of my life, I don't want to be in a place where they say, hey, listen, we're short of tax money, so you have to now pay more for your property taxes 
just to get by. I don't want to be in a place where they turn around and every time they, they want to tax the, the, um, the amount of concrete you have, right? You, you saw this, the rainwater runoff tax. They do a satellite image of your house. This is already going on. It's been going on for a couple of years now. Sat image of your house, that's your roof line, your driveway, your patio, how much cement you have or non-absorbing material, in other words, grass or dirt, and then they tax you a dollar figure based on the percentage of your lot that is not dirt or grass. It's called water runoff tax. We get rain, what, two weeks out of the year? <laughs> maybe maybe less than 18, 20 days out of the year. And they have some tax for runoff. It's to clean the sewer systems and the drains. But that's why you told me that we were, that you were charging property taxes. And then And then... Didn't you say that you charged a gas tax and that was for the streets and the roads? But now you're telling me we don't have enough for the roads, so I need to pass another legislative, you know, check a box thing, give you more money? An alcoholic doesn't need a fresh bottle of vodka. They already, listen, they've proven themselves. Don't give Sacramento, don't give the Democrat system, right? We, we are progressive Democrats. The decent liberals are, are silent. In fact, they're moot in the whole story. They're afraid. They will be canceled and excommunicated from the Democrat system if they do anything other than play along. So what happens to those poor people? Well, nothing. Goodbye. Nobody pays attention to you. So you and your family, guys, be safe. Any questions, 888-99-RETIRE. That's 888-997-3847. I hope to... Well, I hope to have good news for you next time we talk or, or the time afterwards as the election is nearing. Go out and vote. Please don't forget. It's all about understanding one thing, and it's your right. And hand carry that ballot, period. All right? 888-99-RETIRE. I'm Arif Hallaby. 888-997-3847. Thanks for listening to the Total Financial Hour. This is AM870, The Answer. Financial power, total financial hour. Now, higher income strategy. Learn from Arab Halaby. Learn about financial power, the total financial hour. Now, Arab has a plan for me. Higher income strategy. I'll retire.